Greetings and welcome to Outlaw Gamer Radio, the official podcast of OutlawGamers.com. This is the show where we live to play and play to live. I'm Brent Adams, joined by a man who thinks the butterfly effect is that ticklish feeling he gets whenever he sees Patrick Stewart with his shirt off, Mr. Lord Bob Gordon! Lauren! <laughs> What's up, Brent Adams? What's going on, man? Uh, <laughs> that is we a true like story. Stewart, let me that tell is you. a true story. It's funny you should say that because I put on for the I put on my very first ever episode of Deep Space Nine last night. Oh yeah, yes. Never watched so you, it. I was a TNG fan. Yeah, I was I was a TNG fan too. I've I've since watched uh, I've since watched a couple of the other shows, not to completion. Like I've I've seen a little bit of Deep Space Nine. It's probably the one I've seen the least of. And then I've watched like the first couple seasons of Voyager, and like I keep wanting to go back to that because people said like in the later seasons it got really good. And then I watched Enterprise to completion, um, I, which Enterprise actually like surprised me. Like it started really slow, but Enterprise ended really strong. I've heard Deep Space Nine is the best of the sort of uh, you know sort of ancillary series, but I, I don't know. Yeah. So I just threw. It. Uh, but it is true. I do feel that way about. Uh, I was going to say Picard, Patrick Stewart. It is true. Uh, you nailed it right on the head. How are you, my friend? How he was your week? He is one sexy man. There's no getting around it. How was your week? This is a big week. I'm, Fallout Shelter, Brent. Dude, I'm doing great, man. I fucking, I, I, I'm going to like talk about this when we get to that point of the show, but I, I don't want to bury the lead. I'm going to tell you right now, I played like fucking 20 hours of Witcher 3 this week. Oh my God, are you serious? I mean, dude, like I just oh, pulled out all wait. the fucking stops. Oh, fuck. Let's just fuck the rest of the show. <laughs> Let's just, I, I did all this shit. I put together this whole doc for the show, and now I just feel like, fuck it. Let's just get to The Witcher. <laughs> but no, I, uh, I, I did, man. I just, I went, I ran wild with it. I, um, my wife was very accommodating. She was very patient. And I just told her, I was like, listen, there's this game. Like, I really want to play it. And so she was like, that's fine. You know, go ahead. So basically, like, every waking second that, uh, that Z was asleep, you know, like I'd, maybe an hour and a half or so before she, uh, or after she went to bed and maybe another hour and a half, two hours before she woke up, like, you know, just carved out a little bit of time there. And, man, I just, I got into it. Into that, it, son. That, oh, I can't wait to hear it. That that's huge. That is huge. I'm inside me, it, rubbing my face around its internal organs. That's how into it I am. <laughs> that, you know, I almost I should have put on the dock. Then uh, Neebs, the guy who does uh, Battlefield Friends, did yeah. a video about uh, about um, Roach and the stupid horse, and it's hysterical. <laughs> one of our listeners posted it today, but uh, nice. that is that is huge news, Brent. And I'm I'm really excited about that. We but we have another we'll talk. We have another, uh, what I think is a huge announcement. I'm excited about it. This is something that some of the members of the community asked for. Something, obviously, that we used to do back in the uh, back in ye olde days when we were known as Epic Battle Axe, and we had a little show called Epic Battle Cry, and of course, one of the things we always did on that show was we invited members to submit a battle cry, and since we've kind of started doing a battle cry of our own uh, since the, uh, the demise of Epic Battle Axe... We were like, hey, you guys are doing a battle cry. Where's when we going to get us battle cry? And the answer is now-ish. So <laughs> How's now? We're going to uh, we're gonna start doing a thing this week where you guys can ride along on the end of the sunset, which, as we all know, is just a thinly veiled battle cry. Ride and, along. Uh, That's a great and, title, Brent. We should call it the ride along. I agree. I wish I wish we'd taken more time to f- come up with that now. Anyway, <laughs> but the point is that, and I don't want to suggest that it actually took us two weeks to come up with the title, and that's what's been holding it up. But anyway, we're just trying to think of a way to implement it that would be easy for you guys, easy for us. So here's the deal. On OutlawGamers.com, underneath the show slider, where you normally see the club poll, there's going to be another little widget there that's going to be right along. And so if you want to ride along with us into the sunset and tell us something that you're excited about, a trailer, a story, a question, whatever it is that you would like to submit for consideration to be included on the next episode of Outlaw Gamer Radio. There's going to be a post there. All you got to do is post a comment. We'll read through those every week, and we'll pick out one to include on the next week's episode. So just look for the Ride Along widget right on the front page of OutlawGamers.com. That's it. That's awesome. I'm very excited about it, Brent. More community involvement, always a good thing. Yes, indeed. Well, especially when you got our community. I mean, there's some communities where it's like there's like too much fucking involvement now. Uh, Jim. But that's but that's oh, not our community. I'm just kidding. That's no, right. That's true. Anyway. No, so Brent, before before we head out to the garage though, <laughs> you asked me to remind you to talk about uh we had some technical issues last week. 
We did. And several people uh, pointed out to me, they're like, oh, the show audio sounds a little bit weird. This is kind of, kind of this pulsing sound. And uh, and we did. We, we had a little bit of trouble with the audio last week. Uh, Lawrence recording, just the, the levels were a little bit off from where they should have been, not through any fault of his own. Um, but, uh, Microsoft. Mostly, mostly the fault of Microsoft. But the point is that, uh, that the audio was a little off, but that wasn't the only reason. Uh, because we actually had to change things up, and actually last week's episode was the first one that was edited on our new digital audio workstation software. We have been editing, I say we, I have been editing the the shows uh, in Soundtrack Pro for the last seven years, and Soundtrack Pro has been end of life uh, That actually doesn't work quite as well as a verb as I thought it would. But anyway, <laughs> the point is that Soundtrack Pro is no longer being supported uh, by Apple and hasn't been for some time. And basically every time there's an OS update or anything like that, it gets a little bit more unstable. And the time finally came, I decided, like, you know, we're just going to have to move on. Like, it's going to have to happen at some point. But you get so comfortable doing something. You get, and really fast. Like, I can edit, like, really, really fast in Soundtrack because I've been doing it for so long. But the time had just come to uh, to move along to something. And ordinarily, that could be a problem because digital audio workstation software can be pricey. But it is because of all of you generous donators, all of you people who contribute to the club treasury, who give your hard-earned cash to help keep the website and the podcast going, that it wasn't a big problem for us. We were able to go out, find the piece of software that we needed, purchase it, and immediately start putting it to use. And it's going to service for a, a really long time to come. And I just, I just want to say thank you uh, once yep. again to everybody who is gracious and generous enough to help keep the uh, the website and the podcast above board. We just can't thank you enough. It, this is just one of those problems that wasn't really a problem because of you guys. And so thank you from Lauren and I. We really, really appreciate all of your help in uh, in this. This collective ride that we are all on. You, I could not have said it better myself, Brent, and thank you for sharing that sentiment. And with that, let us head out into the garage and talk about some games, Brent. We are on the verge of, of, of gaming season. I, I tell you what, it's just about to pick up. Rocktober is six weeks away, and, and I don't know, but so there's blood in Timber. the water. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how your shark sense is, but I can smell blood in the water. Uh, let's talk about Mad Max coming out on September first. Yeah, two weeks, and looks to almost kick as much ass as the uh, as the film did earlier in the year. I'm really, really liking what Mad Max is showing off. There's some fucking cool stuff on display in this video. One of the things I talk about often is I like having the choice. I like being able to attack problems in different ways. And this interactive trailer, Choose Your Path, is all about that. And some really, really fun stuff is shown. I tell you, man, I'm, I'm not going to pre-order this game uh, because I'm just not going to pre-order games anymore. But I, I, I'm sorely tempted to in that... Mad Max at this point is is one of my it's one of my more anticipated things going in to the bottom half of the year. So what's interesting to me, Brent, is that I'm starting to agree with you. Uh, I think this is by far the best piece of media that they put out on this game. I think that uh, for the first time, I'm really starting to see what this game has to offer and get yeah. a real sense for the atmosphere. And I went back and watched their there's a four minute gameplay reveal trailer um, from uh, not too long ago, a few weeks ago. And I kept watching it, and I was like, God, this is a really bad trailer. And, but, but this most recent one, this Choose Your Own, this Choose Your Path interactive trailer, really gives you a sense. First of all, I could really start to see Avalanche Studios' signature in this. I mean, I kind of I, I, I got sort of a, a bit of a Just Cause feel to it a little bit. The destruction, mm -hmm. the grapple, you know, the hook. The, 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 yeah. I don't know if you actually grapple with this thing or if you just pull shit down with it, but... Um, Either way, it blows up, and that's what counts. Yeah, and, and I really started to get a sense of, I really started to get a sense of uh, uh, the sort of avalanche in this game, which I think is good because because avalanche has quite a pedigree, in my opinion, at least. Uh, and, and this, for the first time, has got me interested. It's only I also will not be pre-ordering it, but it's nice that it's only two weeks away. And actually, one of our listeners posted. Uh, please, please, please let Mad Max games suck so I don't have to buy it. <laughs> I've, I've been through those. I've been through those periods myself. It's like, oh, God, I can't buy anything else. Metal Gear Solid only two weeks on its heels, Brent. And, Jesus and for me, Christ. I'm very excited about Until Dawn. We'll talk about that, which is coming a week before. Uh, and then, of course, we get into uh, then we'll talk about Nathan Drake in a little bit and all that stuff. But where um, did my money? 
we go. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, uh, but uh, all right, no man. I thought this was a great trailer, and I'm. I it is kindled. I would. I wouldn't say rekindled because really, honestly, I haven't been that interested in the game based on what I've seen. Yeah. But it has uh, kindled my interest in this, and now I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I don't think you can really say that it's done either of those because both of that shit is copyrighted by Amazon. <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> The Uncharted Nathan Drake Collection, which is perhaps the one thing that, uh, that I will forgive you for pre-ordering, Lauren, given the fact that you've already played all three of the games. But um, the Uncharted Nathan Drake Collection is coming out on October 9th, of course, Woo-hoo! for uh, PlayStation 4, and it collects the first three outings of Nathan Drake and updates them graphically. We get a nice 60 frame per second trailer, makes everything look really sexy the way that we like it. Not that Sully needs a lot of help looking sexy, let's be honest. Um, but, uh, the point is that we've got some new game modes that have been revealed that are going to be part of the collection. Of course, they're always adding on things and tweaking a little bit, but you don't want to fuck with the formula too much. And I think that they have taken uh, a pretty good strategy with this. There's going to be two game modes. One is more of an explorer game mode that is going to lower the difficulty significantly and will be something that uh, your casual player is going to be more interested in. And then on the other end of the scale, above the crushing difficulty, which I can confirm having played through it, it it is legitimately crushing. They have also added a new ultra brutality mode. And that's going to be even harder than crushing. And it's only unlocked after you beat the, uh, the games on crushing difficulty. Of course, if you uh, if you do want to uh, to purchase this, you're also going to end up getting multiplayer beta access to Uncharted yep. 4 Thief's End. And there's a new story trailer uh, linked in this IGN article that you might want to check out. There is, although be careful, because for those of you that haven't played the games, it's definitely got spoilers in it That's from a true. story standpoint. So if you haven't played the games, I probably would not watch this trailer. But there's more, Brent. There's a couple things you missed. One of them is a third mode called speedrun mode, in which uh, there's a That's timer true. that tracks your time uh, in, in different sections of the game against your friends. With your friends. So now, that's awesome. Mode. That is awesome. That's, that's awesome because I, 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 I did basically multiple speed runs on my first, uh, my first uh, or on the first game. Yep. I basically did multiple speed runs on the first game because I, I beat every single difficulty that uh, the game had to offer to do the 100% thing. And I got pretty good at playing through it quickly. Yeah, I bet. So there's that. There is also a new photo mode, which I think is going to produce some awesome yeah. photos, and maybe one day Sony will let us use the photos we take in games as backgrounds. Uh, and then, uh, I know, ridiculous. Odin willing. Uh, uh, and then this, I didn't know about this, Brian. It's a little thing, but you can play, and this isn't, I don't think is an announcement uh, in this announcement, but I just wasn't really aware of it. You can play the entire, all, any of the entire campaigns using up to 65 different character skins, which I did not know. Yeah, which is which is cool. And but the, now the thing is, I can't. Now I, I'm gonna I'm gonna embarrass myself again. I'm trying to remember. Could you could you change character skins? I'm trying to like I only ever played through as Drake because that was all I was interested in. But I'm trying to think if you could if you couldn't do something like that before. I can't remember. I don't know, but and, my doubt I doubt it was as many as they're offering now. Right. So anyway, uh, yeah, basically more Nathan Drake Uncharted awesomeness. And I am I'm dude. I'm super. Super excited to get this Octo- in October. It'll probably be, um, you know, a couple months to play through all of it, and by that time, hopefully, we'll be approaching the multi the the Uncharted Four multiplayer beta, yep. and then theoretically just a few months away from Uncharted Four itself next March. So, very very uh, excited about getting the new Nathan Drake collection. Something else that you might be excited to be getting your hands on is Star Wars Battlefront, which, as we all know, is uh, slated for release in November. 17th in North America, 19th in Australia, 20th in Europe. And get your your wallets ready for that. We got some details this week in a uh, post on the uh, the official Star Wars Battlefront blog over at EA.com, talking about Supremacy Mode, which if uh, you play Battlefield, you might immediately jump to the conclusion that this might have something to do with Conquest Mode from Battlefield. And you'd be right! But according to the, uh, according to the peeps at EA, they have tweaked Conquest Mode, and they've made it even better. It's more focused now on control point domination and focusing on a single control point at a time, and that's going to keep the action centered around that control point, and there's going to be less dropping you into the battlefield seven miles from where <laughs> the explosions and shooty-shooty blow-up is actually happening. One of my biggest complaints about Battlefield. 
Uh, and I'm sure it's not, uh, yours is not the only one. But in any case, it sounds like they are addressing some of the things that made the mode perhaps not all that it could be, but bringing in all the good stuff from uh, from that game mode into Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, Lauren, I am pretty excited about Battlefront myself. I know that uh, I know that you are as well. It's true. What, it's a true having story. actually played Battlefield and played Conquest mode, how do you feel about what they're talking about? I'm interested in this. So basically, the mode is you know both teams start off with capture points. The the center one is neutral, and you're moving towards uh, capturing the the other team's points. If you capture all five points. Um, I, I think I think the mode might end. I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, or if you and then otherwise, you're, you know, you're holding the more points you hold throughout the 10 minutes. That is the match, um, you know, will uh, make you victorious. And so uh, I, I love my fit. You know, conquest and domination are my favorite modes in um, uh, in Battlefield. This is obviously some form of that. Uh, so I'm excited to check it out, man. I was very they said that there's like everything in the game will be involved. And these will be the largest maps and these huge maps in the game. And and, uh, uh, you know, they were talking about how they're excited about s- how they love to do it on indoor in particular because you have uh, all of the ATSTs and you have the multi-level gameplay because they're utilizing yep. the trees. And the whole thing sounds fantastic. I, I, wanna- I just want to see more and more and more of this as we get closer. I'm not worried about spoilers on this one. No, no, because we already know how this thing ends. Uh, Darth Vader turns into a whiny bitch. We all know how it is. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. Last up this week in the garage. If you own a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One, you are contributing to something that Sony and Microsoft are no doubt very happy about, which is that they are selling their consoles this generation much faster than they did last generation. There's a story on IGN talking about the fact that after 21 months, the PS4 and the Xbox One are close to 50% ahead of where they were in sales at the same time with the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Overall game sales have rose 2% from June to July, and the Xbox One continues to see very strong sales. And I'm quoting now, Xbox One and Xbox Live continue to see strong sales and engagement in July, with Xbox One sales in the U.S. up 44% over July 2014. How about that? Yeah, I think the thing that was most interesting to me, Brent, is that this, the industry as a whole is uh, 50% ahead of where it was last year, last generation uh, at this time. And I think that's, I'm curious, you know, I have some theories as to why I don't know, Brent, if it's because of the lower price point. Obviously, uh, the PS3 came out at a very high price point. So I don't know if the lower price point is contributing to that. The fact that the devices themselves do more than they ever have before. uh, I don't know if that's contributing to it. The fact that there's no HD DVD versus Blu-ray type thing that you have to like, that you know, half of the world wants to wait out to see who wins. I don't know how much. Which that- also is, which is also possibly the funniest moment in all of Tropic Thunder. And then you got the porn industry and whoever they're going to. You've been talking to me this whole time. I'm talking to whoever's listening. <laughs> um, that's such a great movie. Uh, Downey Jr. just kills, uh, man. Now, he now, just now, kills now, that movie. <laughs> now I've got just images in my head. Jack Black tied to the tree. Um, <laughs> Observe so, God's mistake. Um, <laughs> um, Al Pacino. It, um, that's a whole other dude. Anyway, it just turned into the drive-home breakdown. It did, Back can't. to games. It's such a great movie. Um <laughs> can't stop uh so the uh uh yeah i i, I don't know uh brent what the factors are i'm sure all of those things play into it i'd be curious uh, uh to know really what it is do you have any theories on the on the uh, on the matter you know i i guess that i feel like uh there was just such a there was just such an eagerness to get into the next generation given the fact that the playstation 3 and xbox 360 that that seventh console generation went on much longer than any prior to that oh, that's had. a good point as well yeah i didn't think uh, about that I, I think that the eagerness to step up to the next generation to get the new graphics the new features the new controllers that kind of thing uh, i i think that that might have might have played a factor but uh beyond that i i wouldn't really have any insight uh whatsoever which is actually kind of a shocking embarrassment uh, pretty much given- actually what i was thinking is pretty much how you could end every section of every show cue <laughs> 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 the music Welcome back, guys. Join us in the clubhouse. Grab a chair. Kick up your feet. 
we're going to talk a little bit about Until Dawn and some interesting things about Until Dawn, which of course is launching in the very near future. But before we do that, we're going to talk about some other games. We were talking about Gamescom and some of the games shown off at Gamescom last week, not all of them, just the few that we had time to get to. But we wanted to go to the poll results and find out which of those games you all were most interested in yourselves. Lauren. Yes. Poll results, please. Yes, sir. So I'm, we got a little list here of about six or seven games. I'm going to start from the lowest amount. It's more like uh, eight. Up to the one you, going. Was, you, you were most excited about. So uh, starting going from last place to first place in the games you're most excited about, we have Crackdown 3, uh, Homefront the Revolution, Divinity Original Sin, Tied together with Quantum Break and Unravel. You bastards, Unravel looks awesome. Uh, Coming in in, uh, third place is Scalebound on the Xbox. Coming in in second place, Mirror's Edge Catalyst. And with 28% of the vote in first place, Mafia 3. I fully support that. Yes, indeed, I do as well. All right, well, thanks, everybody, very much for voting. Also, thank you for commenting. And we're going to move on now to the topic this week which concerns a Polygon article, an inside look at Until Dawn, which, of course, is launching, let's see, what day is it now? August 25th, next week. Yeah, the 25th. So it is right around the corner, literally. We've got an inside look, courtesy of Polygon, at the game's development and an interview with Will Biles, the creative director of Until Dawn. And it's actually really, really interesting to get his insight here at the eve of the launch of this game and how he himself is actually kind of nervous about how the game's going to be received. He feels like he's done a good job and that they've they've done everything that they set out to do with the game, but they're still not sure how people are going to react to that and whether or not it's going to whether it's going to click with players or not. And they just talk about some of the things, the game systems, the butterfly effect that we've all heard about at this point, but also some specific things of what that might actually mean and how that is actually going to feel to a player. The fact that the game is not going to let you do like these micro saves and then like you play a little bit and I don't like the way this is going. I want to go back to a previous save. It locks you in to the choices that you've made by auto saving all the time because they really want you to play through the whole thing and understand where these choices end up. You, you know, you could be going through a section and things are going away that you're not all that crazy about, but that's just part of where the story goes. There's going to be these peaks and lulls through the story and they really want you to play through to the end to see how your choices ended up playing out in their story. And they talk about how it's very unlikely that any two people are going to have the exact same experience of this because there are so many variables in every playthrough. And that a person who only plays the game one time might only see 40% of the content that's potentially there depending on the choices you make. And some of those things are kind of bold in terms of game design choices. I mean, how would you feel about purchasing a game, 60 bucks that you're going to play through and understand that you're only seeing 40% of what that game potentially has to offer. And that if you want or, to get more out even, of it, did they say 40% in the article, Brent? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm actually just pulling that number off the top of my head. It could, it could actually be less, right? It could be. So he went as far as to say, so this article, I really encourage you guys to read this, whether or not you're interested in this game, because I, I think it's really interesting in terms of, what they're trying to do. Now, I haven't played the game. I haven't seen reviews of it. All of you guys know I've talked about it. I have every intention of playing this game. This looks like it's right up my alley. It's really interesting. So he goes so far as to say that no two people on the planet will play the same game. Yeah. He says there's, there's thousands of potential endings in the context of any of the eight characters could live or die in any combination. And so yep. those numbers automatically create a, a number of permutations. But he says it's way beyond that. There's thousands of decisions along the way that affect... Many, 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 many moments through the 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 film. I was going to say the game. So, uh, so the, for those of you who who want to know, he said it's about ten to fifteen hours uh, for you know a, a first gameplay type thing. Um, but you know, he gives an example of uh, you you have um, you know you you have a, a girlfriend in the game, and you could choose throughout little points of the game how nice you are to her and so forth. And depending on how how nice you choose to be. Um, you may end up, you know, what you may end up with her being nice to you, and, and you know, Polygon, uh, and you may end up with her being very nice. Right, to the you. Polygon, uh, the author of the article, well, alludes to the fact that that his girlfriend like did a strip tease for him, and the guy said that's really hard to do. A lot of people will never ever see that content because for most people, when they get to that point, she'll still be clothed because 
you know, it depends on all of your interactions. Because there's along so the way. many opportunities for you to fuck right. it up. And, and, uh, it's a lot like real life in that sense. And so, what, you know, what's interesting to me, Brett, is I feel one of the things like he's most nervous about is this idea yeah. of permadeath, this idea of the constant autosave, but no manual save. So you can't go back and redo right. anything. And I actually find that to be one of the most intriguing aspects of this game. And it doesn't at all, you know. We'll talk about The Witcher, uh, you know, when we get to it, and, I, and you're going to obviously have a lot to say because you put in 20 hours this week. But I went back and played it a little bit mm. last week, and it struck me just how good the dialogue and the writing is and the acting, and how much, uh, yeah. how much, it, and how much just that draws me into the game. And uh, I, I am excited that Supermassive Games is is focusing so much on story. And he talks about like when they would choose to add something into the game that they would have to spend sometimes days looking at the ripple effects to make sure that they're accounting for how, um, how that's going to impact the game. I, I think this is fascinating, and I, I, have, uh, I have absolutely no problem with this. I, I don't know about you, Brent. No, I don't either, but the, and that's the thing. I think that the key to what Bios is talking about, what he's nervous about, is whether or not you come to Until Dawn prepared to experience that game the way the developer intends for you to. I think that the, the the key to it is that this game is not just coming to you and saying, we have a really great story to tell you, and it's in this open-world format that you're familiar with, or it's a, it's a first-person shooter that you're familiar with. They're really saying, we have this experience in mind for you, but you got to play it our way. You have to leave behind whatever expectations you might have about other horror games, survival horror games, and you got to have the experience we intend for you to have. And that, while the game offers all these interesting options for control and for choice, they are, at some fundamental level, taking away a lot of the choices people are used to having in other games. And that is risky. It is, but but I I this is I it's what I find interesting. And one of the one of the things that I find interesting about the game, it also you know I love that he talks about it in the context of this is what you might experience in the first playthrough. But uh, you know they're building this game so you want to play through it again to experience, and you could experience it yeah. in in a very very different way. And as you said, and I love that. I love the idea of a game I can go back and play and have a really really different time with that. That really appeals to me. I, I agree with you. You know, he talks about, it's interesting. I, again, I, I encourage you guys to read this article. I love the fact that one of the, the things that's mentioned that's particularly called out in this article, and not, not in two sentences, but in several paragraphs, is how they've chosen to deal with the music and yeah. how, uh, you know, this was something we talk about that stood out to us uh, as making Red Dead Redemption one of the great games of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. And likewise for Journey. But for Journey, it was really the... the caliber of the music and its interplay um with the the aesthetic of the story i think uh with red dead redemption while it was also absolutely caliber it was a lot about interplay and it was a lot about how dynamic the music was and how appropriately uh, it changed for each situation and and how how it did that and that really that's it's it's interesting to talk about that because it's the same in this game but it's really got to be a more sophisticated kind of uh, dynamic in this uh, in this title. Yeah, as, and they alluded read, to Brent in the in the story. They said that you know they finished most of the music almost three years ago, right? Because that's that's how in depth this game is. They needed the music that far in advance, and I'm sure they've been doing touch up work and redoing some things here and there. But to really get the system to work and all the systems and the story arcs and all of it to work together, um, they finished this music years out. And I and I just think uh, I think it's really really interesting. And I and I am curious to know. Um, well, and, and there's, there's one anecdote they talk about that really solidified it for me. They were saying, you know, we found that we really couldn't, like, we couldn't rely on having a dynamic music system like you traditionally have in a game because you could do the, the same scene. The, the player choice could go in two completely different directions that would require two completely different approaches to music. In one case, you might be trying to avoid the killer. You might be hiding under a bed, which is going to call, uh, which is going to call for this deep tension and suspenseful music. Or you could make the choice to just run down the hallway and, and try to get away, which is going to call for really kinetic, high-paced music. And so, it, like, it's not just like, oh, well, you know, we'll kind of have like a tension layer, and then we'll have a more 
action pack layer on top of it. It's like those are going in different directions. There's no layering those, you know? And so you've got to account for it. And it, it just it, it just really solidified for me what an incredible challenge and what an incredible undertaking it must have been to to try and account for all of these different possibilities in player choice. I agree. So that that's a piece that's interesting to me, Brent. It's a piece that I'm excited about because um, of of the impact it had on both you and I during Red Dead Redemption. So the other yeah. piece of this, though, the, the, the story, the branching story. So there's two other sort of big pieces like we talked about. The branching story itself, the butterfly effect. Yeah. And then separately, and they are tied together, but then separately, the sort of save system, the permadeath, all that stuff. And I think that... Um, I, so I think as far as the permadeath goes, I believe that the gaming audience is actually, um, I, I don't know, more, more, um, open than, um, mass marketing would have you believe now. Now, uh, do I think that that means that this can do the kind of sales that say a call of duty or a GTA does? No, but does it need to? And the answer to that to me is absolutely not. It doesn't, not every game needs to make $500 million dollars. To be successful, uh, this I think this game. I think the game, the gaming audience, unless it's a game released by Square Enix. Keep talking. <laughs> um, I, I think that the gaming audience is more sophisticated than than um, a lot of developers believe, uh, and I, I also think that um, I, I think that something like permadeath uh, is acceptable. Now, I am curious. I also think so. We you know you talked about um, the idea of, and we, you and I talked about this a little bit before the show. Is how how do you feel, audience, listeners? How do you feel? about the idea that you might play a game and, and not see 60 or 70% of the content because of your choices. Not because they're locking it behind DLC, not because uh, you had to pre-order to get the content, but because the nature of the way the game is designed is about choices and that making those choices means that you might not see other choices. Um, you know, so that's, that's a question for our listeners. But again, for me personally, I'm fine with that because it's not that they're hiding 70% of the content. It's that they're creating, they have to create a huge amount of content to allow, uh, I want to say true player agency, but it's, it, you know, true player agency is, is, it's It's almost, it's almost like altruism, but, but, but like, uh, (laughs) but to really create the next step, the next step in, uh, creating that illusion of decision to, you know, allowing you to make even more and more impactful decisions. The nature of that, I think, requires that you design a number of possible other outcomes that people may never see. Yeah, it's an interesting interesting strategy from the development standpoint, but it's also interesting from the player's standpoint in the sense that, like earlier, we were talking about Tropic Thunder. Oh, remember that really funny part when this happened? And Uh, we we talk about games in the what we're playing section. We talk about our shared experiences. And, oh, wasn't it amazing when this moment in The Witcher 3 happened? And now you're talking about a game where it's very likely we will not have that. We we may not have any overlap whatsoever in our playthrough. And there's, I'm not making a judgment call one way or another saying that's good or bad, but it is a very different kind of paradigm in terms of storytelling. One of the things about storytelling that makes it enjoyable is the social aspect that it provides the ability to talk about the story with other people and how it affected you having had that common experience. But now you're not having that common experience. You're having a experience and there's certainly going to like, you're playing the same characters, the same story. So there will certainly be commonality, but there's going to be very specific differences in everybody's playthrough based on their choices. And that's interesting. And, and I, frankly, I find it very exciting. And I, I guess that I think that the game will live or die based on how well and how accurately they have marketed this game. I think that if they have told people accurately what they are going to be getting out of Until Dawn, if people go into this game understanding how this game is different, I think they'll do okay. If people go into this game thinking it's going to be a Dead Space or a Resident Evil, they're going to crash and burn. I feel like they've done a pretty good job of it. You know, Brent, there's a quote in here that's one of my favorite I've ever I've ever seen, and this is he's talking to him. He's ta- the author is talking to the developer about this this idea of permadeath and and the the the, the auto saving, the fact that you can't manually save. And and his response to it is is this, and he says he says this is not punitive. This permadeath is not punitive. It's imperative. Uh, he right. says the reason we don't let players go back to an earlier save is not just to be mean or petty, 
but it's genuinely because the story that you have won't be told until the end. There are things right. that you think you know now that you don't know. The story hasn't unfolded yet. And so what and, he's saying is, so you're not allowed to go back and play. I mean, once you pass an auto save point, you, you move on. And so yeah. he's saying, like, it, it, you might get upset about what you chose to do and go back and change your decision, but you have no idea, like, what's actually going to play out at the end. You think you do, but you don't. And I just yeah. love, I, I, first of all, I love that idea that you don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But I also appreciate that he recognizes it can be misinterpreted as being punitive, and it's not, but that it's actually uh, imperative to create the experience that they want to create. I, I wish him nothing but the best. This is an un- It's an unlikely game for me to be excited about, given the fact that it's based on a film genre I'm not all that interested in. Mm-hmm. But the game mechanics and the thought going into it are things I'm profoundly interested in, and I'm very, very curious to see how all of this shakes out. Well, I'll definitely let you know once I clean the shit out of my pants. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely don't call me until after that. I don't. <laughs> All right, guys, time to hit the road and talk a bit about the games that we have been playing this week. Uh, we're going to start off with Fallout Shelter, I'm happy to say. Because in addition to yours truly getting some more time in, I have it on good authority that Lauren has uh, finally checked out the game for himself. And now we're going to find out if, in fact, it is the mobile game that Lauren Baumgarten is going to allow himself to enjoy. Lauren, so here, where, where do we stand? Here's the thing, Brent. So at number one, I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> it's very much, uh, although uh, it, it's very much like um, this, war, this war of mine, mm-hmm. um, only less emotional and more fallouty. Um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I'm so, so I got it on whenever it came out, Wednesday or Thursday or whatever, and I've been playing it. Um, I haven't like fallen in love with it yet, but I think part of the reason for that is because I didn't. I, I I'm struggling with it right now. I didn't understand what I was doing at the beginning, and yeah. so I've got about like 20 dwellers currently. What, like 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 the game didn't like doesn't it have like the tutorial thing? No, where it, tells it did, you but, to- I, but I don't think I was too overly thoughtful about it. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. I, honestly, I'm not a hundred percent sure at this point what I'm doing wrong, but I've got 20 dwellers uh, and they're not very happy. Um, okay. They're my, I'm constantly dipping below the line on food and water and uh, power. And so okay. uh, I don't think I planned as well as I could. I didn't really understand the implications of the mechanics of putting rooms together Um I don't just start start a, just start a new vault. Well, I mean, which is what probably you, what I'm going to you, do. You've only got twenty dollars. Just start a new vault, right? So, and, and I I didn't understand that when you rush things and you fail, you cause yourself. There are consequences. Right? I didn't get that. So I was just like, oh, rush this. Eh, oh well, failed. Oh, some roaches. Okay, rush this. Oh, I failed. And I didn't it took me a while to oh, realize that like fire. that that uh, uh, how that to deal with the fire, how to deal with rats, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of or roaches. I mean. Uh, yeah. So well, now you got rats too, though the the mole the mole rats have been added in the new update uh, to the game. So now you've got rat roaches and mole rats. You got to be worried. Oh, about. that's and death great. claws. Yeah. So you I ha- think I, hopefully you haven't had a death claw invasion yet. Because so, that, so the fact that you time. Uh, create your vaults now in the order of S P E C I A L makes yep. me want to punch you in the face because I can't even make my <laughs> my guys happy right now. Um, but uh, Baby steps, buddy. Baby steps. I know. So I think I just need to start a new vault. So I haven't fallen in love with it. I totally get it, and I do like it a lot, and it's a great yeah. game to play either in chunks or for extended periods of time. Um, yeah, you really can do both. Uh, that's the interesting thing. Uh, yeah, it is. And so I enjoy it. I'm going to play it some more. You know, we'll see um, uh, how it goes. I did, Brent... Uh, get another mobile game. And I don't know if you tried this or not, um, but that is Kung Fury. No, you told me to, you told me to get <laughs> Kung I, Fury Street what? Rage, and I, I didn't do oh, it. Oh, you got to do it. Averagem right. is going nuts on this goddamn game. Kung Fury is a two-button uh, side-scrolling uh, beat-em-up, uh, and it is, it is so well done, dude. Uh, I'm getting it right now. You should. Kung Fury Street Rage. It is so perfectly Kung Fury. It's like playing... Uh, Scott Pilgrim, how Scott Pilgrim, the video game, is so perfect right. for, that, for that IP. And this game, is, it is a perfect game for Kung Fury, and it's very simple, but very well designed, and it's like crack. Totally enjoyed that game. Uh, i tell you something that I've been playing is Laura Croft and the Temple of Osiris. Son of a bitch! And uh, I started on PS4. I moved to PS Vita via remote play. 
and then uh, I moved back to PS4, and I'm I guess I'm I, I'm think I'm on like the third. I want to say like I'm on the third tomb. So are we are we just not playing this together now? Is that well? You know, I have I have texted you a few times, but we have had we have had some scheduling conflicts. That is true. Uh, trying to put this together, and then there's also that whole thing where I kind of stopped playing this and started playing The Witcher for 20 hours with with that time instead. Yes. But uh, I, I as your daughter have, cried in the crib, hungry. That's exactly right. Going how you know how could you have forgotten me? <laughs> um, but um, so more more Lara Croft than Lara Croft in the Temple of Osiris. You hadn't played it. I, I've played. I'm guessing an hour or two of yep. this. But man, I tell you what, I love it. I absolutely I love it. The, the The puzzles are fantastic. The action is exactly what it needs to be. It builds on the first game in all the right ways. It looks fantastic. It sounds fantastic. You, you get such a more epic experience out of this. Like in that first level, you really. It really feels like something you might have seen in the first game, other than the fact that you know the two cultures are completely different. But in terms of like just the puzzles and everything that you're doing, it feels like it could be something out of the first game, except it's so much more expansive. There's so much more happening. You have this huge demon crawling through the level, coming after you, and just all of these things that uh, that that really that that really reminds you uh, of what they've been able to do with this game on a current gen console. And I'm totally down for it. I love the fact that they've they've gone to four player co op. That's a great idea. There's just some some fantastic things going on in this game. I'm eager to check it out in multiplayer with you, uh, time allowing. Yep. But uh, I have loved everything. I have loved every single moment of it so far. That's awesome. I also loved it. You also have on here Brent Counter Spy. I don't know where that came from. Well, that's uh, that was one of the PSN Plus freebie games. Yeah, a couple months ago. Uh yeah, I picked it up. Uh, I picked it up a while ago, and I just like I had it, and I had never downloaded it and played it. So I downloaded it to my Vita and started checking it out. It turns out it, it's pretty fun. It's I think it's actually I want to say it's actually a mobile game. I think it's I think it's available on iOS, possibly Android as well. But it, it plays like a um, it plays like a mobile game. Yeah, I see. It's uh, it's here on uh, it's here on iOS. But uh, it's it's fun. I mean, it definitely has some cool things going. I think the the flavor of the game, the vibe of this sort of like Cold War era USA versus USSR, I, that whole quality of it is really really fun. It just the the kind of the tongue in cheek spy nature of the game. The music's fantastic. It, it's really got you know that whole kind of sixties Man from Uncle Avengers kind of vibe to it. But it, it's a really fun game. It, it's definitely one of those things that. That works out very well on the Vita. It's the kind of game that's perfect for that mobile platform. And playing on the Vita is, I imagine, a better experience than playing on iOS. I haven't played it on iOS, but I like having the buttons, so I'm just going to say Vita's better. Anyway, well, Vita's always better in that regard, in my opinion. But yeah, I played it on the console, um, and I didn't even know it does exist on Android as well, and it's quite well rated and seems like a game that could be well suited to a mobile device, as you said. Yeah. Like I really think it could be. I, I think it could be. It would do fine. I think honestly, it would do fine on mobile devices. There's just something that's a little bit more uh, satisfying, I guess, about having the the controls. Absolutely. All right. So there's a couple of games, Brent. I'm going to talk about that that I uh, that I played this week that we're not going to necessarily get into. But the golf club uh, played a little bit of the golf club this week, uh, looking as good or better than ever. Fantastic, playing well. I did uh, boot up. I know I was very excited for every. <laughs> this is going to be funny to you, I think. Um, I, I was excited for everybody's gone to the rapture. I was really looking forward to it. I yes, got the I game. Recall. I booted it up. Very excited. I played about five minutes of it and got annoyed and turned it <laughs> off and haven't gone back to it. You are the worst. Um, I, <laughs> like, honestly, like you are the gamer that all publishers fear. I, I know. Well, so I will go back to it. There were a couple. This game. <laughs> there were a couple things in the game uh, early on. This title were, screen sucks. That were just driving me nuts. Uh, and so, and, and I honestly, at this moment of recording this, I can't remember what it was, but it, there was something about the game that was driving me nuts, and I just wasn't in the mood. And I put it down, and I started playing, Brent. Um, <laughs> I started playing Rocket League, uh, which had, I won't, I won't go on too much about Rocket League, except to say that they did have a DLC pack this week come out. It's three ninety nine. It's called the Supersonic Fury Pack, and it comes with two new cars, uh, some new paint, uh, some new wheels, uh, that sort of thing. Typically, not something I would pay for, uh, except for uh, two things. Number one, I, I really thought the cars in them looked really cool, and I was interested in them. And number two, I felt like I've played so many hours of this game for free on PS4 
that I kind of felt like I wanted to support the developer. Now, I know that they get financial support from Sony when they do something like that, but mm-hmm. I've gotten so much joy out of it that I felt like I wanted to give them a little something. And so I uh, thought, oh, I'll buy this pack that. for $4. And I got to say, I'm actually loving the new cars, and I, one of the new cars is now my go-to car and has reinvigorated my passion for Rocket League um, to the point of watching videos and doing training and all that stuff. So... Totally loving Rocket League. And then lastly... Are the, video, are the videos set to Eye of the Tiger? Because if they're not set to Eye of the Tiger, uh, then I don't care. They should be. Uh, I wish they were, actually. Uh, now, now I just feel like they suck. Um, anyway. So lastly, Brent, uh, is the game that you put 20 hours into this week. I jump back into The Witcher 3 because one of our listeners, and thank you for this, posted about uh, a new mod called Immersive HUD, which allows you to have the minimap not be on the screen, but when you uh, press and hold... The I think it's R1 your, uh, or L1, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but whatever mm. your Witcher vision is, um, you press and hold your Witcher vision button, and the minimap comes on for three seconds and then disappears. So you can check it when you need to, but you don't have to have it when you don't for most of the game. Yeah, that's uh, an interesting idea. And I love it because I've gotten to the point where I've turned off my entire HUD because the game is so goddamn beautiful. I don't want a GTA-style HUD uh, interfering with it. And so it made me... Go back and I install that add-on. I also there's you can there's a uh, you can edit the any file, uh, so you can change when you do the Witcher vision. If you uh, if that sort of blurring effect causes some people people motion sickness, you can actually mm. change it so the blurring effect no longer happens. Everything else about when you pull Witcher vision happens. So items are mm. highlighted, the camera right. moves in a little bit, but just the not actual, the distortion. Correct. And I I, was, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's awesome because I find that to just be annoying. Uh, so I turned off the blurring effect, and that way you can hold Witcher Vision and move without the blurring effect and still see the minimap when you're holding it, and then it disappears when you're done. So jump back into Witcher 3, played about two hours of it, played a couple games of Gwent, um, fell in love again, and, and had to you know pull myself away from it like crack cocaine. But it sounds to me like you were unable to do that. No, I, well, I wasn't even trying to do that. I mean, uh, you know, as opposed to you, like, oh, man, like, maybe I need to get off this and, like, clean up my life. I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> Bring um, me the dope. That's right. I, I'll, I'll be a functioning addict and, and get on with my life. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I really pushed myself. I, as I talked about, I'd kind of reached this, this point of almost depression about The Witcher 3, where it's just like, I'm not going to have time to, like, really experience this game. Like, what's the point? And, and, but that, that was part of it. But I'd say another part of it was that I hadn't really, I, because I had played the game in fits and spurts and hadn't really like sat down with it. A lot of the game systems were, were kind of intimidating to me. Like the, like I wasn't doing all that well with the combat and I couldn't quite figure out why the alchemy and like the character upgrade stuff. I found a little bit intimidating cause I didn't quite understand what I needed to be doing. And, and I just wasn't. I was trying to play it as like an action game instead of a role-playing game, I guess is like ultimately what it boils down to. And The Witcher is a role-playing game. And once I kind of, once I kind of accepted that, once I kind of came back to it and said, all right, I just need to spend some time like doing some reading here and actually figuring out what it is that the game expects me to be doing. And so I went through the tutorial section and I, I kind of brushed up on the, on the combat and like, all right, I need to be... I don't need to be just going in hack and slash. I need to be taking advantage of, of dodge and roll and parry and and really you know doing the combat the way that they want me to. And then I started reading up on the alchemy and kind of figuring out what that was all about, applying oils to blades, potions, and so forth, getting my head wrapped around how mutagens interact with your various upgrades and how you need to like try to match the color in order to get these get these bonuses stacking up and that kind of stuff. You know, just like educating myself a little bit on on the game you know some of it was stuff the game had shown me i just forgotten about because it'd been so long since i did that first tutorial section or whatever yep but anyway i came back to it and i said all right i'm gonna get into this like everybody's telling me this is the greatest fucking game ever i'm gonna do this and i just sat down and i focused on those things for a little while and then i started playing and it really, really did not take long for it to open up and for the story and everything to really start to get me to get me interested. And I'm doing that whole I'm doing that whole you know mission chain where you know you're on the hunt for Siri and and you're not the only one as it turns out, but you know you're on her path and you're you're trying to to kind of figure out where she is and catch up with her and all that. And that takes you to some some interesting places. You meet some interesting people. At this point, I've had that first kind of. I guess that first kind of like major boss level, that first like major boss fight where you, uh, your friend uh, Kira 
ends up uh, ends up helping you out, and you face off with the first baddie from the Wild Hunt, and everything leading up to that was was actually like pretty cool stuff. But since then, I've really gotten into like I was into the story up to that point, like the overall story of what's going on with Geralt and and the drama surrounding Ciri and the Wild Hunt and all that. I was into that. But since that time, I've really gotten into the mythos of the world overall. I've really gotten into the what, what's happening with you know this war that's going on and how it's affecting all these people, and that's broadened my horizons. And I, I've started getting a lot more interested in side quests and Witcher contracts and and just experiencing the world. And you were asking me over the weekend, like, have you kind of had that sort of like, oh, it's like Red Dead Redemption? moment yet and i have like i've kind of gotten that like yes it is it because it is just that place that you want to go and visit like you just want to spend time there and find things to do and look around and like oh what's over what's under this bridge and what's over here and you know that kind of thing um i actually think there's there's part of there's a piece of it that they do maybe better than red dead redemption and that is on some of the side missions so there's plenty of the sort of um i want to say fetch questy or like do this or whatever but they have, as I alluded to before, and, and I don't know how to ask you on the air if you've played this or not at this point. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, they have long side missions that are hours long. Yeah. Three, four, five hours long that are optional that don't feel like optional or like they're side missions. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember that in Red Dead Redemption. Um, there, well, there were. Yeah, it depends. I mean, like some of the stranger, stranger missions, missions like, right? You know, those were like multi-part. Those could take. They were multi-part, and they were kind of. Those could take time. They were multi-part, and they were typically like sort of throughout the game. Yeah, I don't feel like you went and did those, and then just did them for five hours, and then came back to the game, which I feel um, like. No, I, I think I think that's probably accurate. Yeah, which I feel like I did at least with the with the one really big one that I've experienced to this point, but. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. So go go on, and I, I, I forgive me for interrupting you. No, no, no. It's totally fine. But uh, I, I think you're right because I'm, I'm sitting here just kind of thinking about some of the side missions I've done, and some of them I, I haven't, I haven't done anything yet that has taken four or five hours. But I've certainly done side missions that I've been off doing, and it's been like this multi-part thing through, you know, through like multiple dialogue scenes like i'll go and i'll do this i'll come back it's like okay and have some have a talk and then go off and do some more and you know come back and i just like realized i was sitting here thinking like i can't remember was that part of the main story or was it not that's, well, which, so I the, guess, so my, which i guess kind of proves your point right that's so my particular experience was i i think what happened and to be honest with you brent i'm not even sure but i think i started down a pathway where where maybe the first couple interactions with this character were required and that everybody starts down that pathway and then mm-hmm. i could choose whether or not to continue going down that pathway are you talking it, about the stuff with the bloody baron? Uh, y- yes, I am. Spoiler yeah, I, I, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. So I think there's a point at which, those and I've done, I've done all of that. Like I'm past that point now, and I think that I did everything that I possibly could in relation to that quest. And so when I got to sort of the end of that, or towards somewhere towards the end of that, let me ask you something. Does the end of that involve really, really big horns? Yes, I think so. Okay, okay. I think so. But um, or did it? I can't remember honestly it, at this it point. Did, but, it did for me, but I think that I think large I think, horns, I, think, I, think I know teeth. what you're talking about. And I think it did, but my point is, is that it was only when I got like to the end of this this storyline or whatever that I realized that I didn't have to do. I think any of it, or at least eighty percent of it, I could have stopped after uh, like the first ten or fifteen percent of that. I think, and yeah. and continued down what was the main story path. I guess I didn't realize that at the time. Um, and I didn't. And it was like, it was an awesome storyline that was at depth and emotion and many, many characters and, and like, a di- you know, a, a real dynamic between the characters. And I just thought it was no, brilliantly done. And, and I don't remember anything of that depth in Red Dead outside of the main storyline. Well, I agree with you, although I, I, I don't know. Of course, you're farther along than I am, but I, you know, I don't know how much of that was optional looking back on it. I'm not sure. But the, the thing about that whole. Well, and I, I made a comment to you. We were talking, and I was just saying like how how smart a game it really is. The the dialogue, the drama, and everything. It's it, it, there, there's there's complexity to it. You know, like the Bloody Baron's a good example. Like he's a complex character. He's a guy that on one level is is kind of likable and and charismatic as a character, and at the same time, 
as you go Odious, farther into right. that story and find out more about him and and you know things that he's done in the past and everything, he he's he's not. You know, oh, he's you know he's a jolly old guy, or oh, he you know he's just a bloodthirsty maniac. Yeah, he's sort of in, he's like a real human being he's somewhere in between. I agree with you, and that yeah. characterization and, and the way they play with that characterization well, over and, time, and, but also the fact that he and Geralt have that interesting connection. You know, there's this interesting connection uh, about him and Geralt and and being fathers, and you know how that you know how how that uh, that that outlook. You know, they share kind of affects them, but also the different choices they've made in relation to it. Uh, and that that whole thing with like, OK, like the Bloody Baron and like the botchling, like the whole like that whole like fucking quest like that will haunt me for all time. <laughs> yeah, <that's>... uh, because <laughs> like, they did, like they did not hold back. They're like, what's the most horrible thing? What's the most <laughs> horrible say, don't, thing don't that we could we could come up with? And anything. they just like went for it. They yeah, were no. just like. And, and, uh, like as awful an idea as this is, like we're just going to render it, and it's going to be as awful as you think it is. And to, to be clear, it's not like there's not like really overt fetch quests when you walk up to no, a, a, that a, stuff a, happens uh, when you walk up to a board in town and it's a job yeah. board, and it's like, oh wow, if somebody would just go to this area and get my ring. There's but the, but that's the thing. Like, like the thing is like to me like it they they do it well within the narrative structure, you know. I agree, like and go, very often like those you go things, to somebody and you're like, "Hey, like you know, like I want such and such," and they're like, "Well, I can't really give you such and such right now." And I, I know other games do that, but there's like a tit for tat quality to it that makes sense given how desperate the people in that world are. They're like, you know, uh, like okay, like I'll give you all the gold I have because I can't farm my land, like I can't, I can't harvest my crops because of the monsters or, or you know, the wraith or whatever it is that's haunting it. You know, so I'm willing to give up all the gold I have now because that's my fucking livelihood. If I can harvest those crops, I can feed myself and continue to live and I'll get more gold later. But right now, you know, like I got I got to do one or the other. And, and I think some of those things actually narratively work a little bit better than sometimes in other games. Well, so and on top of that, Brent, and I'm curious to know if if you have had this experience yet. And that is I genuinely believe that Gwent is the best sort of game within a game that I've ever seen. And I have, I have literally played hours of Gwent. I cannot understand. Like I, I like actually talking about like your whole sort of addiction thing. Like Gwent is the thing where I cut myself off. I'm like, no, like I'm not going to play Gwent because I'll get sucked in. And I have never sat down and out. played Gwent for two to four hours on regular, like, regularly, not regularly. They have but. got to, they have got to. Okay. Number one, I just don't, how is that? There's got to be like a fucking like mobile. There's got to be a mobile app. They've got it. They've got to know that there's a market for that. Uh, to do like a mobile app, iOS, Android, uh, phones and tablets, that kind of thing. But the other thing is they got to do it for real. I mean, like I know that there are people like, you know, are printing out like high res textures and stuff. So you can like go print your own Gwent decks and everything. But they have got to know that if they put out a fucking physical Gwent card game, that people are going to buy it because it's so good. I mean, it is a legitimately good game that they just happen to have invented along with The Witcher 3. Yeah, they 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 missed the the boat on that big time, Brent. And I'm sure that that they will release it at least as a mobile app, uh, and I'm sure it will do well. But they definitely like they def- if if they had had that prepped and ready to go or close to ready to go, so it yeah. came out and within a few weeks after the game, uh, I, I think they missed a real opportunity and are probably going to end up leaving thousands of dollars on the table because of it. But it is it is singularly the most brilliant like little separate game within a game that I've ever played. And yep. and uh, I mean it's just it's brilliant. I would kill to have that game on well, my phone. About, okay, like like I'm I'm at this point right now where I'm ready to go to the uh, to the the fucking Skellige, the, the fucking Viking Island. I'm oh, ready to go to the fucking Viking Islands. Like, well, that that's like what I'm working on right now. So, like, so you're like, in Novigrad? Yeah, I'm in Novigrad right now. So I am I'm at I'm also in Novigrad, but I've put oh, about forty hours into the game. Yeah, well, I haven't put quite that much, but uh, I, I've probably got. I've probably got close to like 24 or 25 hours. But story-wise, right it sounds like, I think the last thing I did story-wise. But like, I skipped a bunch of like side quest stuff to do this because I was like, one of my friends told me like, you're, you're going to think that like you've got to be like really high level before you go there, but go ahead and just go there now because there's plenty of low level stuff that you can do. Right, right. And you, right. you can go back and forth. Yeah, so I was so like, oh shit, I'll go ahead and do it. I think the last thing I did story-wise, Brent, and this isn't really a spoiler for anybody because it's not really about yeah. the story itself, but 
I think the last thing I did story-wise basically was uh, in Novograd, I had to go to, to a woman and she, she dreamed with me or whatever. Thanks for sharing, Lauren. Have you- <laughs> whatever your weird sick thing is, That's I don't not- care. <laughs> Have you done that yet? No, I haven't done that. Okay, so but we're probably still not far up. I'm looking for whoever it is I'm looking for, I'm not going to say, uh, in Novograd. Uh, and have you know been sent to different people in Novograd to do different things. And honestly, I'm now at the point where... So I go play Gwent with every person who will play Gwent with me because you get a Gwent card every time you beat somebody. Yeah. Uh, and I'm trying. I still can only play with Northern Realms, and it's pissing me off. Um, yeah. I'm 40 um, hours into the game, and I can still only play Gwent with the Northern Realms faction. But... Um, but uh, I, at this point, I'm ready to leave Novograd. I, I feel like I've been in the city long enough, and I want to head out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it sounds like we're close to the same place, Brent. So basically, what's going on with me? Did is you like, have sex I've with like, the goat yet? Uh, no, not yet. <laughs> but uh, give it give it time. Um, I'm sorry. We'll get back to the game now. It's like not for lack of trying, mind you. <laughs> but the point is that uh, I like I found a captain who's willing to take me to uh, to. Skellige or whatever. I can't remember how it's pronounced. Ah, yeah. Um, But uh, I found a captain who's willing to take me there, but I don't have the money to pay him to 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 uh, hire the ship. And I was thinking that what would be what would be cool is if they had like this mobile Gwent game or whatever, and you know you could bet and everything. I could be you know playing money, or I, I could be playing Gwent to earn money. When I'm not playing The Witcher Three, you know, just I'm out and about, or you know, I'm watching TV or whatever, I'm earning money, baby, earning money playing the Gwent, and uh, yeah, like you say, it's a missed opportunity, a huge missed opportunity. Um, all right, so maybe next week we just do The Witcher Three show. Yeah, that, that suits me. I hope to. I so I hope you and I can finish this in a maybe, timely maybe fashion. Maybe this will be. Maybe this will be our first post mortem. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. Transition to but outlaws, that, but we probably got another forty hours to get through it. But I, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping that we can. Uh, all right, Brent. Let's uh, let's at the risk of of going on and on about The Witcher Three. I think we should head out into the sunset. All right, I'm ready. Uh, you know, appropriate for the section titled "Into the Sunset" uh, is my "Into the Sunset" this week, and that is "Dying Light." Yep. Get it? Dying Light, Sunset. I, I do understand it, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Dying Light, uh, there was a reveal trailer for fourteen ninety nine. Daniel again. I can't decide if fourteen ninety nine is too pricey for this or not. Okay. Uh, is a DLC add-on uh, to the game Dying Light. And I got to tell you, Brian, it's called The Following. There is no release date as of yet. But they say that, uh, so it adds new functionality, including driving and dune buggies and that sort of thing. The trailer, for those of you who are fans of Dying Light, looks, looks really dope, actually. And it's, um, they say that the, the phys- geographic size uh, of, of the, the following, the DLC, is geographically like something like five times bigger or, or the equivalent of five of the sections in the game or something like wow. that. It's supposed to be huge. Um, so I'm excited about that. I actually, I loved, I really enjoyed Dying Light. You know, uh, uh, much to my surprise, I really, really enjoyed that game. And I've been trying to go back and play it. But my, something about when I, you know, I sold my PS4 in Brazil and moved here. And when I got here and bought the new PS4, I downloaded from the cloud my Dying Light save. And for the life of me, I can't get it to work. So all of my 35 hours of gameplay that are just sucks. gone. And that game's got a new, like, not new game plus, but when you're done with the game, you can keep playing. And there's, there were tons of side quests that I didn't do that I had ranked, that I had leveled up my guy, you know, all the way through 30 hours of gameplay. And all of that is gone, and I cannot figure out how to get, how to get that save to work. So I haven't played it. That but, sucks. Uh, Dying Light, the following, I'm hoping I will just be able to add on to it, uh, download the DLC, and it won't matter what I played before. Uh, but I think it looks really interesting. If you guys like the game, I highly encourage you to check it out. Cool. Well, uh, my end of the sunset this week is actually going to go out to uh, The Witcher, because as you may or may not have heard... Well, sort of. CD Projekt Red released, uh, they, they released the mod tools for The Witcher 3. He carefully kind says, of. right, yes. So they released some mod tools. They released, uh, they released a mod kit for The Witcher 3. Unfortunately, the, uh, the PC crowd, sticklers for authenticity that they are, they were expecting something along the lines of the more robust red kit that had uh, previously been released for, uh, for The Witcher 2. What they got instead. <laughs> at, at one time, CD Projekt Red had said that, yeah, 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 you know, we're going to have Red Kit for this. But uh, anyway, the mod kit they released, not as robust, not as powerful, and doesn't have, all of the, doesn't have all the features. A lot of people have basically said, listen, there's nothing in this that we can't already do by just hacking I&I files 
and uh, and also and, as yet, it's not doesn't have Steam Workshop support, so you have to go to Nexus Mods to to, to use them. Which yeah. personally, I don't have a problem with. I like Nexus Mods, but anyway, I understand that you know that's a hangup for some people. But um, the point is that it is not the mod support that the mod community was expecting out of CD Projekt Red, given how uh, how how well supported they had been in the past, and I don't know if that's going to change or not. I, I think that you know. At this point, CD Projekt knows that they fucked up, and people are uh, people are kind of pissed. And you know, it's it's one of those things where I think that expectation and managing expectations. This is something I've been thinking quite a bit a lot, uh, quite a bit about lately. But I think it's one of those situations where you can do yourself a lot of good as a company if you just manage your audience's expectations for them. Don't let them get the wrong idea about what you're doing. Don't tell them something and then do something else. Whatever it is you're going to do, tell them that you're going to do that thing and then do that thing. And if you're not going to do that thing, don't say you're going to do that thing. And if you're not sure, then don't say jack shit until you are sure. Because you'll only dig yourself a hole that, that is... It's, it's hard to climb out of because, you know, the people start talking about abusing trust and lying and... And all of this stuff. And like the only reason I bought this game on PC is because I thought there was going to be really great mods and that kind of stuff. I, you know, I don't have that kind of emotional thing. I'm, I'm invested in the story. As long as somebody releases a mod to increase the goddamn carry weight so that I can, I can carry around more than five swords and not be overburdened, I'll be fine. Okay? Like, I, I'll get that and I'll be fine. But, um, but I understand, I understand that, that, that people are pissed about it. And again, it, like, it just comes back to it, it's, it seems very, very simple from the outside. I don't, know, I don't know how it works on the inside. Maybe it's not nearly as simple. But it seems to me that you can avoid situations like this by simply managing your audience's expectations for them through the information you give them, which you do have control over. So that is my end of the sunset. And of course, as we said at the top of the show, if you want to ride along with us into the sunset next time, make sure and leave a comment on the ride along announcement post on the front page of Outlaw Gamer Radio. We'll read through those next week and pick one to ride along with us into the sunset. Indeed we will, Brent. And with that, we're going to call it a show for this week. As usual, we want to hear what you guys have to say about everything that we talked about, whether it's The Witcher 3's new mod kit, Dying Light the following. Up in the road, we talked about The Witcher 3, Rocket League, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, The Golf Club, Counter Spy, Kung Fury, Street Rage, Lara Croft and the Temple of Osiris, and Fallout Shelter. A lot of games this week. Wow. Uh, in the clubhouse, it's we talked times. a little bit about the upcoming game Until Dawn and the nature of ranching storylines and whether you guys are concerned concerned about not seeing what may be a large chunk of the game. And in the garage, PS4 and Xbox One outselling the last generation of consoles. The new supremacy mode announced in Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, the new modes revealed for Uncharted, the Nathan Drake collection, and the official Mad Max Choose Your Own Path interactive trailer for the game that comes out in two weeks. As usual, he's Brent Adams. I am Lauren Baumgarten. And remember, you don't stop playing because you get old. You get old because you stop playing. <laughs>